Hi everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of Spoken Word with Electronics. This week I'd like to discuss miracles of the body and environmental survival. Odd weeks with the fire and weather and everything and politics in general and we're dealing with a lot of internal resilience from external pressure external stress and attack this week. I think a lot of people are. And so I thought it'd be nice to abstract this into a discussion of how the body produces electricity. How the body has its own useful internal resistance and the general threat posed by external voltages. So specifically, how much electricity is in us and how much external electricity can kill us. You know, uh, external electricity can be actual electricity. It can also be energy from uh, outside messaging. <laughs> I will, uh, we'll try and avoid talking about Trump this week. But uh, my gosh, what a dark energy presence that is. So we'll have a few segments on both internal and external electricity today or tonight. Also, there is part six of our serial, Charlie Pickle. And this week you'll learn about buried sunlight with a brochure on the buried sunlight of Sunset Hills. That's Charlie Pickle, part six. And the exit music this week will be the sounds of electricity itself. You'll hear electricity by some very chaotic, uncontrollable sound circuits in our room. Specifically, crazy modulation sources and some wave shapers. And the stars of the show for this week will be Metasonic's Thyrotron VCOs. I've got a pair of them. And they make a wonderfully unstable sound, very similar to a downed power line crackling in the water. Really nice Tesla coil of a closing track we have planned for you. So if you're seeking a good head cleaner, I think you'll enjoy that one. I also want to just check, I want to know how you're doing, how all of you are doing. There are so many people dealing with so much right now. I think every category of stress is affecting a bunch of us. Or maybe somebody you know, maybe you're fine but somebody else isn't. I hope you're personally doing okay. I hope you have family or friends that you can contact easily, or a therapist via phone or video. Or maybe a cam girl that you feel some comfort in talking to or something. It's a great time for some sort of outreach. If you've been affected by either the weather or the wildfire, I really hope that isn't weighing on you too destructively. I just hope you're good. So I hope that whatever you consider stressful or depressing or difficult alleviates itself quickly and I hope you're doing well. And uh, part of the show is never really to wallow in that sorts of stuff. So, with that stated, I have a local news report. Local news report. I've been re-seasoning my cast iron cookware lately. It's taken on a little rust, or even worse, the seasoning that had been applied to these cast iron pieces of cookware had sort of uh, decayed into their own weird flavors. You gotta use cast iron. Or it gets bad. 
and I'd stopped cooking over the last 15 years. And so one of the fun things or nice things about this pandemic is I've started cooking again. It's a kind of joy that I haven't had. And so I decided to start rehabilitating my cast iron skillets, which I've abandoned and neglected for about 10 or 15 years. It's been really fun. I've been uh, having a lot of fun doing it. It's just a simple kind of process where you, you know, work out all the rust and the old seasoning. The old seasoning is tougher to get off than the rust. <laughs> season it you just sort of get this new experience uh eating with uh, the new cast iron you know you kind of share an intimacy with this new pot yeah you got to use cookware to keep it good and so i decided that i've been rehabilitating them this year and the uh the thing that's always been the burden on doing this was time it can take time to do this and so this is the time for it Rehabilitating the cast iron cookware is a uh, pandemic opportunity. So in this local news report, I wanted to give you uh, some instructions on this. If you have some family cookware that is cast iron, you probably have the best cookware in the house. Hell a lot better than that Teflon crap. And to rehabilitate it, it's super simple. You just need a two hour bath in vinegar and water, 50-50% to remove the rust and they sort of scour it down then with a steel wool. And don't let it bathe in vinegar for more than four hours or you can actually damage the metal. The vinegar will stop eating the rust and it'll start to go in on the, the iron itself. And a little vigorous elbow grease to clean up the raw iron. And at that point, a little dish soap. A lot of people always say never use soap with cast iron, but this is your one opportunity. A little dish soap right there. And then you're gonna wanna finish it with some avocado oil. And you wanna find 100% pure avocado oil. And you want it rated at 500 degrees, smoke point. And you wanna lightly apply the oil to the full surface, both uh, top and bottom of the cast iron. You don't wanna use too much. You can put it on separate coats, but the, each coat should be light. And you wanna put the cast iron in the oven with the avocado oil, with no rust at 525 degrees for about one to three hours. Uh, it's gonna be hot as heck, so you're gonna wanna let it cool. And you're gonna, you can look up other things on uh, maintaining it from this point. It's a joy to cultivate a cast iron skillet. No matter if you eat meat, vegetables, whatever, cast iron skillet's where it's at. Now, be sure to turn the oven fan on or you'll have a smoke-filled kitchen but the smell of burning avocado oil is fairly pleasant. And I've completely reseasoned and restored my 70-year-old skillet this last month. And now I'm working on the griddle. These are 70-year-old pieces of cookware, and restoring them to new life is a complete pleasure. This is something you can do during a pandemic. Restore things. I've really been focusing on restoration lately. So I hope you enjoy my restoration report on cast iron skillets. And I'll let you know how the griddle works out. Suppose I want to talk about restoring cast iron skillets instead of the wildfires or the weather or the politics because this show is always meant to be about optimism. 
So, with optimism on our mind, here's an optimistic concept. Our body, your body, my body, their body, whosoever body, is one of the oldest working pieces of electronics on the planet. The human body is. It's one of the oldest working pieces of electronics on the planet. Not sure how often you consider yourself to be an electronic device, but you have wires throughout your entire body, which are of course called nerves, and the central nervous system carries an immense amount of electrical current through it. I'd like to talk to you about some statistics on the body's electrical current in a minute. The reason this is on my mind is two episodes ago I talked about the Soma Quantum Ocean, an experimental meditation device from Russia that in part uses a small amount of electricity to pulse through your body. The amount of electrical current it sends is barely detectable, or not physically detectable at all. So it does so almost unnoticeably. You don't feel a buzzing current going through you, for example. It's a very low amount. But I've been using the quantum ocean every morning, and I have to admit it does something to your mind that's just great. It's, uh, that's my whole uh, five-star review. It's, it just does something to your mind that's great. I've noticed different mindsets if I use the metal post, put my fingers up to the electrical current, or not, too. So it begs the question, what's the effect of external electricity on our body? I do wonder about that. It had me uh, thinking about limitations and how much electricity we can take on. And let's say somebody wanted to make a gadget for the home that zapped us full of fully detectable electronic juice right on a button. You know, like a real zapper. And then I remembered that I found this exact home gadget at age 10. I discovered this when I was home alone and decided to swap out some cables in my dad's home office. So that's when I found this uh, this gadget that can zap you full of uh, <laughs> full of a lot of electricity. We had we already have one of these things in our house. It's called the surge protector, and they can be very dangerous if you're 10 years old and not thinking clearly about where your hands are when you're pulling a plug out of an outlet. I think I wanted to plug in a cassette player that I had and was removing a cable for his alarm clock. Of course, the, this plan is so stupid because after I reattached the alarm clock, my dad would have known because it would have been blinking 12 o'clock. You know, I didn't think about that. I just sort of saw it as the plug to remove. I remember he liked to brag about not using batteries in his alarm clocks as a backup power supply to keep the time going when the electricity would go out. Yeah, you'd say, if uh, the power goes out at night, I want to know when I wake up. And I remember pulling an electrical plug, the alarm clock plug, out of the surge protector in such a careless way that my hands touched the metal posts of the plug, or the plug itself, that was still connected to the surge protector for the alarm clock, which was still plugged in and not blinking 12 o'clock yet. What happened was extremely surprising and bizarre, and the very thought of this memory fills my whole body up with the sensation of that moment every time. I think back to this and I can tell you exactly what it felt like. I could feel suddenly in my jawbone. I felt it in my arm. I recall this odd white aura that sort of vibrated in front of my body and behind it. 
think I heard something, but it was deep in my psychological brain what I heard. It was a sound of maybe my brain, for all I know. I felt every bone in my arm quiver, each of them in separate directions, and it found my teeth very quickly, which quivered like they were going to pop out of my gums. All of this happened in a microsecond, all these interactions, and the right side of my body filled up with this horrible quivering pulse, a tooth-chattering zap, very fast, up and down, sort of just went up. It's just what you see in the cartoons. kind of sounded like this. This all happened simultaneously and stopped immediately when I pulled my hand away which I was fortunate to be able to do. So this entire interaction was probably just barely touching the plug and then pulling back uh, as quick as that. And so all of this must have been a microsecond in terms of contact with the wall plug. But that was my introduction to electricity as an element. You don't forget these moments. And I can recall too, sitting down with my unplugged cassette player, my body white with fear and I suddenly had a tremendous respect for the alarm clock, which was a digital one, which remained blinking in front of me, unfazed. What's interesting about it still blinking the correct time is that it ceased to stop working. It continued working, so I was sort of part of the energy transfer there for a moment, and a alarm clock can't be more than like a few volts or whatever to, I don't even know what the power requirements or for an alarm clock, maybe one milliamp or something. But I, uh, I, I got all of it. Maybe five milliamps, I don't know. It's digital, so maybe like more than that. Yeah, so many people, I of course don't describe a unique moment. Many people have close calls like this with electricity every day. Other people get hit by lightning. It's more of a uh, uh, God has an opinion kind of deal. Other people turn on, but also completely random. If you uh, get hit by lightning, I don't think that you're a bad person. Uh, but other people turn on light switches that arc out some electricity and bite their hand like a snake or a bee sting. And maybe you've had something similar. What I hate to admit about this close call, though, is this was age 10, and it was more exciting than I want to admit. One part of my mind wanted to do it again. I could have become an addict, an electricity addict. <laughs> I'd play with fire, of course, so at least I could still play with fire in the backyard. But it's crazy to realize we have electricity on tap in our homes. They've done a lot of engineering to make it 99% safe, which is a lot better than like the gas range. I mean, it's amazing to me that we have like a gas range that we can just turn a dial and fill our house with gas. You know, that it doesn't automatically shut off after five minutes or something if it hasn't been lit. Maybe they have that now in uh, newer designs. But electricity is pretty, uh, pretty well controlled. But if you're uh, industrious as I was at age 10, you can find ways to electrocute yourself with a uh, cable connected to an alarm clock. This was during the time of my life when I'd really do stupid things, or when I do really stupid things, uh, nearly life-ending experiments all over the house. You know, my parents had this rule that I could stay at the house, couldn't go out if they left, and so I, uh, that was a good rule. It allowed me to 
explored all the dangers of the house by myself. And that included jumping off heights, to playing with magnifying glasses, to start small fires on paper bags. And I literally threw my body around the house like a jungle gym and slammed my head onto surfaces numerous times. So I'm happy I didn't fall victim to trying more experiments with electrical currents. There was something about like my arm uh, quivering and my teeth nearly falling out that said, don't try this again, you found the limit. <laughs> but the big moral uh, that I think I understood at the time is that there's something very dangerous with voltage. And I've never forgotten the feeling of my body shaking while it took in this small accident. So a question might have been, how much could have killed me back then? And the answer to that question is part of today's show. We're going to talk about death from electricity. The simple answer on dangers of electricity here is just for caution that most external, and that's all caps, M-O-S-T, most external electricity is dangerous. Our heart can be stopped by external electricity amongst other damages. Please avoid all and any experiments unless you know what you're doing. This episode is purely for novelty discussion about limits and some other things. You should avoid all exposed current in particular, or to quote an electrician, don't be a damn idiot, call a licensed professional. Those guys know what they're doing, or those ladies, or those people. But electricity in small voltages is everywhere around us. You know, you yourself are an electrical source, and that's even more exciting to discuss. You can't electrocute others with the electricity inside you, but our body is full of sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium, and all of these elements have a specific electrical charge. Most of our cells can use these charged elements, which are called ions. I-O-N-S, and this generates electricity. And I just want to say, this is incredible. And how often do you think about that? You are literally the body electric. You sang the body electric, just like Walt Whitman wrote about the body electric. There's a Ray Bradbury Twilight Zone episode with the same title. No doubt a tribute to I Sing the Body Electric. So I've just made a few literary and pop culture references, and chances are you recognized either Walt Whitman or Ray Bradbury's name, or hearing the title The Twilight Zone might have felt familiar. And I did that partly to demonstrate something. You just experienced thought. <laughs> so you just proved electricity works in your mind. It's, uh, it's good to consider that thought itself requires electricity, or thought itself is electricity. Is thought your brain, or is it the electricity going through your brain using your brain as sort of hardware and thought and electricity as sort of the software? Hard to say. Electrical current running through your mind on a network is thought. You know, your operating system is uh, running through your brain on electricity. 
are electric and otherwise your brain would just be a blob of fat. If you didn't recognize any of those references, the Walt Whitman or the Twilight Zone or the Ray Bradbury, you have just as much electricity happening and thinking, I don't recognize any of that. I hope at least, I hope some part of your brain either recognized or didn't. And if not, you're likely just a can of gelatin listening to the show. But either way, uh, this is an election season, and I want to say blob of unelectric fat or a working, functioning brain. Thank you for listening to Spoken Word with Electronics. We value both of you in the audience. Thanks for being here. We like the working, functioning brains, and we like the unelectric or the non-electric fat blobs. They're both brains to us. But for working, functioning brains, let's talk about brains and voltage. Brains aren't muscle. They are a mound of soft tissue called gray and white matter. And they contain the nerve cells, the non-neuronal cells, or neuronocells. I can never pronounce that one correctly. Neuronal. It's a fun word to look at. Anyway, the nerve cells and the non-neuronal cells, which help to maintain neurons and brain health. And there's some small blood vessels. You have a little blood in your brain, obviously. Aliens like to eat our brains because we are a refreshing snack. And you know why? The I'll tell you why. The brain is called the coconut water of the spacey seas. Up in space, human brains are high in water content and good for hydration. They're more similar to coconut milk than coconut water. Your brain is high in fat, like the coconut milk. Our brains are nearly 60% fat. It's just really refreshing to eat a brain or to drink one in a smoothie. Of course, you're probably now thinking of brain weight. The average human brain at age 20 weighs around 1,400 grams or a little over three pounds. That's six decent brain hamburgers on the menu at Saturn. They like to offer half pound brain burgers on the menu and like to abduct people in their 20s to 40s for the good sized healthy brains with lots of water and fat content. You lose a hamburger of brain weight over your life and by the time you're 60, your brain averages out at 1300 grams, which is about the size of five normal sized brain hamburgers. Those aren't the deluxe ones. And those are offered on the lunch menu. Trump right now is probably working on four and a half hamburgers of dead brain weight. They tried abducting him but found his thoughts to be inedible and actually the fat content to be calcified. So uh, no no Saturn uh, menus include Trump brain on the burger menu. But the brain isn't just fat and gray matter. We have a bunch of wires inside every human head. We call them nerves. Our nerves are an inner network of thought and consciousness. The only thing that makes this world visible and experienced to you is our nerves. Nerves talking to nerves. It's a beautiful switchboard. And this entire communication of nerve communication requires electricity to activate. So if you add electricity, this blob called a brain contained in a bone dome called a skull on the top of your neck, you suddenly have the most amazing computer on the planet, or one of them. And each of you has one, 
No one can be born alive without a brain. No one can be born alive without a brain. Actually, that's not true. There is an incredible story about a real human who was born without a brain in England. His name is Noah Wall. And if you're wanting a story about resilience and optimism and triumph of the human spirit, consider this. Noah was born in England with only 2% of a human brain. I don't even know what 2% of a human brain looks like. I seriously doubt it was a shrunk down human brain at, uh, you know, 150th scale. So it was just sort of like the beginning of a brain at the end of his spinal column. That is 98% less of a brain if you're a pessimist. But Noah was internally an optimist. He had to be because his brain grew. And you can look up Noah Wall Brain if you doubt me on this. Astoundingly, Noah's brain grew to 80% size by age three. I think his brain has fully recovered and he's a normal kid, age seven or so now. And it's an amazing story. If you wanna look at the resilient abilities of the human mind, look up Noah Wall, who was born without a brain and grew one. Noah's doctor has a wonderful comment. Here it is. Noah's brain has a lot to teach the world about neuroplasticity, the cognitive flexibility of the brain. And that's a beautiful set of words. Neuroplasticity, the cognitive flexibility of the brain. I love it. And good job, Noah, man. You've done a lot more in your, uh, your young life than a lot of people. A lot of people are given a brain and they don't know what to do with it. You're uh, strong enough that you're able to grow your own. So this story about the boy born with very literally no brain that grew one probably has you thinking something right now. Maybe it's about you writing that book that you don't think you'll ever write, or that internal struggle you'll never surpass, or that degree you'll never get, or that relationship that won't mend, or that jackpot you won't ever hit. And I'll say that I'm giving you triggers right now, which I apologize for. But this thought process, including triggers that makes other thoughts occur, is an electronic process. A cascade of thoughts is an electronic process. You are electronic. We as humans are devices that interact with other devices too. Our electricity is designed to interact with other electronics to make things work. For example, looking at modern technology, a touchpad only works with human contact. You cannot use a piece of cardboard to move the cursor on the screen with a touchpad, for example. The reason is the touchpad uses capacitive sensing, meaning your body is capacitive and it conducts electricity. Touch screens only work by sensing when something that conducts electricity, such as a fingertip, is in contact with the screen. This is a simple truth about being human that is amazing. You might take that for granted, as you've been alive every day of your life, of course. Your life force is likely a feeling of the electricity inside your body, but you don't know that, you don't care, you just know that you're alive every day and then you go maybe to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee and some cigarettes and whatever, you know, I'm alive. But you are evolution. You know, this is incredible. You can literally, you are literally sitting inside a <laughs> amazing, 
object called the human body. So if you're depressed right now, you can look inward and marvel at the achievement of being a living thing. You are literally in control of a human body. That is insane. That humans want any more than that is even more insane. Why we don't love being human in this human shell and just spend most of our lives just moving our arms around or wiggling a foot and giggling is baffling. We could probably do that for decades. Yet now we make robots to emulate what we can already do as organic robots. We are the organic robots. But yet we're working on the fake robots that can do artificial intelligence or artificial walking. We don't realize that we are the organic robots that the fake robots would probably want to make. But there are millions of electronic tests you can try with your own body to see the network of what's inside of you. So a simple consideration about the miracle of your human body can be fun to consider and fun to appreciate. A common realization when many people first take acid is a little truth that gets handed to you, almost as an entrance pass on your first hardcore hallucination. We are all living inside a functioning mystery, and there's a question, how do we physically exist? How did one amoeba in the water develop and grow into a freaking mammal? And then that mammal became a human with culture and tools. That is a mystery with no answer. You just say evolution, or if you're against evolution, which is silly, you might say by divine contact, but both makes make little sense. That nature can evolve into something as complex as a human body is a joy to consider. And I guess if you're religious, that you can just be handed a human body is a joy to consider. That you can blink an eye or tap a finger by thinking blink or tap is insane. And that's just it. You know, you should spend a whole life just blinking and tapping. <laughs> what an operating system. So all this requires electricity. That's just it. No matter how abled or struck with a disability you might be, you can think some amount to move some muscle. What I mean to say is thought and sending a signal through your brain down to your eye or down to your finger. That's incredible function that's incredible so all this requires electricity so this episode is a tribute to the miracle around us and inside of us and to see electricity is literally energy everywhere we do sing the body electric <laughs> yada 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 our body is swimming in electricity so let's jump to track two where we'll discuss two things how much electricity is inside of us and how much external electricity can harm us. I mean this partly as a metaphor too. There is external electricity looking to damage you. The internal resistance of a human body has built-in defenses, however. Don't forget to vote.